Patrick, this is uncomfortable for me to admit, but it's fall now. I'm going to say that I I don't relate to your discomfort at all because (laughs) fall is the best season. It's my favorite season. I've been buying pumpkin beer. I have new flannel. Like I am just so ready. So ready. (laughs) This totally tracks. (laughs) Look, I love fall too, but I just feel like I was robbed of summer. I get it. I get it. But fall is happening whether we want it to or not. Like it's here. Get on board. <laughs> Look, I, I'll get there. But I think I was just really caught off guard. Um, I remember the day that I realized fall was imminent. Um, it, it came to me in this moment that I had on a very hot day in August. I was at Good Fortune Supermarket in Falls Church. And I was walking through the door. And it was very kind of like summery and breezy out. And I got hit with this realization that fall is coming when I saw mooncakes on sale. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, why are they selling mooncakes during this time? Okay, I'm a little lost. What are mooncakes and why was that confusing? So mooncakes are a Chinese pastry. They're exchanged during the mid-autumn festival, which is a holiday a lot of East Asian people celebrate that marks, among many things, the biggest moon of the harvest season. And that typically falls between September and October for us. So when I saw them on display on this really bright, sunny day in late August, it was a huge shock to the system. Like fall had arrived. (laughs) Okay, tell me more about mooncakes, because like I said, I, I have no idea what these are. Maybe like a Mooncakes 101 description would be like, they're like a Chinese little Debbie snack. Like they're small enough to hold in your hand. They're round, which is supposed to symbolize the moon. Um, on the outside, they have a soft pastry shell that's stamped with pretty designs like flowers or Chinese characters that say things like longevity. And I grew up with the mooncakes that have lotus paste on the inside, but the fillings really vary depending on the culture that makes them. But one thing that spans different cultures is a salted egg yolk in the middle, which when you cut the mooncakes open is also supposed to symbolize the harvest moon. Okay, I'm on board. Yeah, they're super beautiful, but they're also a little divisive. I compare them to fruitcake because I feel like for Christmas, everybody wants to gift each other fruitcakes, but nobody actually wants to get stuck with a fruitcake. And I feel like a lot of people feel the same way about mooncakes. That's Suzanne Nguyen. She's a Washingtonian who flies home to Naperville, Illinois every year to make mooncakes with her mom for the Mid-Autumn Festival. I also hate store-bought mooncakes. I grew up not really liking them, but I promise you, our homemade ones will change your mind. We'll talk about why they're so polarizing later, but until I met Suzanne, I didn't know many people who made homemade mooncakes. They're so labor-intensive that most people I know just get them from the store. And in a normal year, I'd be one of these people. I'd just pick them up and I'd share them with friends in D.C., but this year, when I saw them at the store, I just wasn't ready. Right. You were robbed of summer and they were here too early. They were... They weren't welcome. (laughs) Yeah. But for Suzanne, it was the opposite. Mooncake season was right on time. And making them with her family was a way to stay close to them in a year where nothing feels normal. I'm Patrick Fort. And I'm Ruth Tam. On this episode of Dish City, how one food tradition kept a family together this fall in a year where nothing has gone the way we planned. (laughs) 
So this September, Suzanne spent two weeks in the Chicago area to help make hundreds of mooncakes for the Mid-Autumn Festival. Her family ships these from Naperville, Illinois, to people all across the country who prefer her mom's homemade Vietnamese versions to the kind that you find in the store. It's something that they've been doing for years. Food has always been a big part of their lives. Both my parents are immigrants from Vietnam. Uh, My dad was actually a refugee, so like a boat person. Growing up, my mom has always loved to cook, and she didn't always have the time to because she was raising me and my sister and going to school at the same time, and my dad was working. But as we got older and we were able to save up more money and move on up to a bigger home. She was able to dedicate more time to cooking. She's always cooked tons of Vietnamese food. It's um, how I learned how to cook and how I was inspired to start my own food blog for Vietnamese cooking. When my mom was cooking for the family, she'd just set me on the counter in the kitchen and I'd watch her. Sometimes she'd give me a snack to get me to stop chatting. And as I grew up, I was able to do more and more in the kitchen, whether it was just grabbing ingredients for her or slowly measuring out the fish sauce and the salt and pepper to actually cutting the vegetables. Um, And now when I come home, I actually do most of the cooking because it's a nice break for my parents. There are some dishes that I still have not attempted to cook in my DC kitchen because it's uh, so small and the dishes often take a really long time to make. If you talked to someone who wasn't Vietnamese about Vietnamese food, they would know pho, and if you're lucky, they would know banh mi. But both of those things are not very easy to recreate in a kitchen, especially if you're not an experienced cook. Like pho broth, you really have to simmer the bones for a really long time to get the flavor out, and it's a little intimidating, and I haven't tried yet. Um, But there are plenty of dishes that my mom made growing up that are super easy and super fast because she didn't have the time to spend in the kitchen simmering bones for 16 hours. And I started the blog because I wanted to bring attention to those dishes. Some of them are quote unquote authentic, something you might find in Vietnam itself. And some of them were dishes that my mom made up, but had very familiar Vietnamese flavors and I wanted people to know that anyone can cook Vietnamese food in any kitchen, and I try to include dishes of various difficulties on my blog. Um, I feel like my mom should probably have a byline on my blog, though, because really it's all her recipes, and all I'm doing is uh, getting the measurements and everything down, because, of course, as an Asian mother, she doesn't measure anything, and she just feels it in her heart. Yeah, when you told me that you call her, I was like, but does she give you real measurements, though? Because that's always been my problem. No, she's like, put a little bit of fish sauce in there. Uh, Yeah. I'm like, how much? People will want to know how much. (laughs) Uh, Parents. It's always been really important for her that we are familiar with the foods that Vietnamese people eat and celebrate the holidays that she used to celebrate back home. So we always made mooncakes growing up. Since mooncakes are a dish that you sort of mail to your loved ones or gift to your loved ones during the holiday, almost like fruitcake during Christmas, my mom used to always mail them to all of her closest friends. And 
they happened to think that they tasted better than the mooncakes in grocery stores. So they started asking if she could make them some extra mooncakes so they can give them to their friends and offered to pay for them. And it kind of just spiraled from there. You know, my association with mooncakes, like, yes, they're beautiful. Yes, they're super nostalgic for me. But like the taste, it's like super dense. Um, it's very rich. And if you get one with an egg yolk, like they can be kind of chalky. I feel like mooncakes are like a love-hate thing. <laughs> They're a very polarizing dish. Since, <laughs> since our little business has gotten so popular, a lot of my friends who are not Asian and don't celebrate have gotten very curious because mooncakes are quite beautiful to look at and they want to order. And I always feel like I need to give them a disclaimer that they're sort of a polarizing pastry. To explain, mooncakes I had growing up and the ones that I saw at Good Fortune are typically imported from China, Hong Kong, or Taiwan. So if you see them weeks before the holiday, by the time you eat them, they've been sitting on the shelf for a while. I get them anyway because tradition. But Suzanne's family's mooncakes are next level. The most popular mooncake uh, we call tapgam. Tapgam just means like mixed it's a sort of sweet and savory mix of uh, candied lemon peel and candied ginger and different nuts and seeds and um, also a little bit of ham and barbecue pork. We also add five spice to it. And so it's a very unique, sweet and savory and crunchy and chewy notes and textures. Um, and that can be one where if you've never eaten a mooncake before, um, it can be quite an unfamiliar flavor to you. But if you are a mooncake connoisseur, that's sort of the most popular flavor. This sounds nothing like the mooncakes that I grew up with in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, so I personally prefer that flavor the most. Um, and the other ones we have are mung bean, which is like a yellow, almost like lentil-y bean. In Indian food, it's used um, to make dal a lot, so in a savory capacity. Mm. Um, but for a lot of Vietnamese desserts, we steam them and then turn it into a sweet paste and either top desserts with it or for mooncakes, turn it into a chewy paste that we put inside the pastry dough. Um, and then we have taro, which is um, a potato-like vegetable, um, very similar to ube, but a bit lighter in color. So if you've ever had a Filipino dessert with the ube sweet potato in it, um, it's a similar flavor. And we also have red bean. So I find that a lot of people who've never had mooncakes before order those because it's a more familiar flavor to them. Um, and then coconut as well. Um, that almost tastes like um, the Italian macaroons, the shredded coconut cookies. I could use some homemade mooncake in my life. Yeah, I don't want to like toot my own horn because obviously my family is selling them, but it is quite easy to eat an entire mooncake by yourself if it's one of my mom's mooncakes. And I struggle with that every time. I'll cut off a tiny sliver for myself and I'll be like, why is this just so easy to eat? I'm only supposed to have like a quarter of a mooncake that's one serving size. <laughs> Mid-Autumn Festival isn't the only holiday the Nuyans go all out for, and mooncakes aren't the only traditional food they make from scratch together. We really go all out for Lunar New Year, though, which I personally call it Lunar New Year, but a lot of people might know it as Chinese New Year. 
I'm kind of on a campaign to get people to realize other Asians celebrate it too. So that's sort of our Thanksgiving where there's a ton of food that we only eat once a year. There's a dish called banjung, which is a glutinous rice cake filled with savory mung bean and pork belly. And we boil it in a clay oven outside in our garage for like 18 hours. And everyone in the family takes turns keeping the fire going overnight. And the cakes are delicious and you only get to eat them once a year. And my family always makes extra so we can freeze them and try to make them last all year until we can make them again. Because they're so labor intensive and they're a whole family affair. Listening to Suzanne now, it's like, wow, she really loves and respects these family traditions. But she wasn't always like this. Figuring out how she felt about these holidays and deciding how to celebrate them as an adult has been a process. I was kind of resentful of the fact that my mom pulled me out of school twice a year, every year, um, to celebrate these holidays because I've always loved school. But once I went to college and I couldn't come home anymore, I realized how much I missed the tradition. For four years, I actually didn't come home for the Mid-Autumn Festival or the Lunar New Year. And it was really hard for me. Um, I actually like bawled my eyes out my freshman year when I had to spend Lunar New Year by myself with a bunch of people who didn't celebrate the holiday. I overslept and missed the parade in Chinatown. And then I ended up almost getting like written up by an RA for something I didn't do. And so since the Lunar New Year really sets the stage for the rest of your year, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the most unlucky year ever. I've just really screwed myself over for the whole year. This is terrible. In oh, no. um, sophomore year for the Lunar New Year, I was studying abroad in Paris and I had made a lot of Asian friends by then. And we all met up in one girl's apartment and we were all different ethnicities. So I made some Vietnamese food and one girl made Korean food and one girl made Chinese food. And we shared a mixture of all of our Lunar New Year traditions. And that felt really good to me. So when I went back to school, um, I became an RA. And for the next two years on the Lunar New Year, I would make a huge um, building-wide program. I'd have my mom ship my traditional Vietnamese dresses to me and I put out the games and I tried to loop in other RAs of other Asian ethnicities to help me um, respectfully celebrate their traditions for the Lunar New Year. And that was really nice because um, especially with uh, the Vietnamese students, because I'm Vietnamese, they would come up to me, um, a lot of international students would, and they would say, like, oh my gosh, I don't know where you found all of this food. Like I was worried that I wouldn't be able to eat any of this this year because I had no idea where to find it. And I've been feeling so homesick because I'm going to school halfway across the world and this is the most important holiday of the year and I can't be with my family. And this really felt like you brought a bit of home to New York for us. So um, that was really nice because I didn't have that my freshman year. So it wasn't until I graduated and moved to D.C. and had a job and was no longer beholden to any classes or professors that I decided I would try to come home for the Lunar New Year and um, try to come home for Mid-Autumn Festival. At the time, I was working weekends. I had started in May, and it was only September or October. And my mom actually called me up and said, Suzanne, can you come home this weekend? I said, this weekend, no, that's not enough time. I have to tell my boss to take time off, but I don't know if I've accrued any time off yet. 
and I've only just started working. Um, I don't know. I don't think I can. And she said, no, I really need you to come home. I have to make like 200 mooncakes. I've never gotten this many orders before and I can't do it by myself. Um, and my mom was having some issues with shoulder pain. Um, and so I actually ended up just telling my boss that it was a family emergency and I really needed to go home. Um, and she let me. And then I went home and I made the mooncakes and I went back to work and my coworkers all asked me, is everything okay? Was the emergency fine? It's like, yeah, it was actually a mooncake emergency. Would you like some free ones? <laughs> um, and then every year after that, I went home and every time I asked for time off in the fall, my boss knew that it was for my mooncake emergency and I'd always come back with free ones. Really, you're the first person that I've heard that said that their parents pulled them out of school for um, Mid-Autumn Festival and Lunar New Year. Um, and I think you said you were resentful of it because you love school. But, you know, now it's like now that you want to take off, it's like, wait, shouldn't these holidays? You should be able to tell your boss, hey, I'm going home for Mid-Autumn Festival. And they should just like respect that because it's a cultural holiday, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I really appreciated like – how hard my mom worked to like keep us connected to our heritage until I was like living far away from her. Do you think that you would have started going home um, when you did if your mom hadn't had a mooncake emergency, like if she hadn't had 200 orders to fulfill that weekend? I don't know if I would have. I was really focused on just making it through my little probationary period when you start a new job. Um, and so kind of similar to how when I was little, I was so reluctant to be pulled out of school on the Lunar New Year and then realized later that it was actually my mom did me a huge favor in um, keeping us so close to home and giving us a sense of family. I was really nervous when she asked me to fly home and help her make mooncakes because I didn't want to make a bad impression with my boss. Now that it's been a few years, I always fly home. And it's of my own volition. I always check in. Emotionally, you're like, yes, this is important to me. This is something that I make time for in my calendar. That's one thing. But then there's this other big external thing, which is the pandemic and all the stresses about travel right now and um, meeting up with people. Yeah, so this is actually the second time I've flown home during the pandemic. Around late April, early May, I had to fly home for an emergency because my grandpa actually um, passed away due to complications from COVID. And so I feel like this time was a little bit less scary um, because I had done it once before and I had done it um, just in a hurry. And I wasn't able to even get tested or anything or um, make sure I had been quarantining long enough to keep my parents safe. It was... Um, out of all of my grandparents, I was close closest to that one. Um, and so I knew I needed to be home to, for the funeral. So that was really scary because I was pretty sure I didn't have the virus because I was taking it really seriously and I hadn't really left my apartment at all except to go grocery shopping every two weeks. Um, but it was still really nerve-wracking in the empty airport. Um, I'd never seen the airport so empty and... Like my mask was hurting my ears, but I didn't want to take it off on the plane. And uh, every time somebody got within six feet of me, I would just get so nervous and be like, hey, back off. Like, we're all going to get off the plane eventually. Just wait. Um, 
But this time around, I felt a little bit more prepared. Um, I knew exactly when I would be flying. And so two weeks out, I was able to um, get all the groceries I needed and uh, make sure I wasn't leaving my apartment unless absolutely necessary and just try to make it as safe as possible for my parents who are a bit older. It's actually really nice because uh, another tradition that Vietnamese people have is when loved ones pass away, you have a big ceremony and dinner on the day that they died every year. And my grandma, my maternal grandma, passed away my freshman year of college, um, September 9th, September 10th in Vietnam, September 9th here. And it turns out that I would be home this year for it because it matched up with our mooncake season. This is the actually the first time that I'll be home where I won't be able to visit my grandpa like in person. So that's been kind of hard because um, he he loved mooncakes and he also loved like all of our Lunar New Year food. So the last time I saw him alive was actually for the Lunar New Year because I flew home then too. I think this trip has been different, um, not just because of the pandemic, but um, my mom has just been so excited at how many people have been ordering from us. And she says it's it's been the most fun she's ever had selling her mooncakes and promoting it. But um, at the end of the day, I think she has the most fun because she's passing on a tradition to her children. Because of COVID, I haven't been able to see my family in almost a year, and I'm missing all our food traditions. Yum cha in Chinatown with my grandparents, eating my dad's steamed fish in Ngao Lam. It's really difficult for me to transition to another season of this pandemic because during any other year, right now I'd be gearing up for a lot of family time and a lot of meals together. Only this year, I haven't been able to figure out how to safely do that. But I'm really happy that Suzanne was able to make mooncakes with her family. So to live vicariously through her, I ordered a bunch of mooncakes from her mom, Mimi Nguyen. And I shared these with my friends Anna, Hong, and Bella. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Does anyone want to do the honors? Um, I will. <laughs> Oh, I know, they don't look like homemade. They look nicer than the one we bought. Let's see. <laughs> this one has one egg. This is, oh, this is the traditional one, like the, the nutty, the, fruity one. The fruity one. <laughs> the nutty, the fruit, fruity one. The fruit cake. Mm -hmm. The sweet bean one. What is this? Oh, oh coconut. coconut. I've never had a coconut one. Coconut. Um, and this one is. Oh, um, this is the red bean. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Oh, this look, it's Tara. Yeah. I think that's a Tara. This, yes. this is my favorite. <laughs> the snowy one. This is the mochi one. Okay, let's do. Are we good with coconut? Yeah, yeah. I've never had a coconut one. Neither have I. Okay. And I'm not sure if there's a proper way to do this, but I just cut it in sections. Mmm. Oh, that's really good. Mmm. It is good. It mm. tastes like a macaroon. You found the one with the least amount of egg. <laughs> that was by design. I kind of want to try this one because this is the, the traditional one that she mm -hmm. was telling me about, the top gum. Yeah. 
The traditional one is like Vietnamese fruit cake. Uh, with a salted egg. With the salted egg. This is not my favorite. But maybe this will be different. There's a lot of textures happening in my mouth. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, the barbecue pork. It's sweet and there's a water chestnut, a right? Is there a water chestnut in there? Maybe. Should we keep trying other ones? And you didn't save any for me? Look, you heard Suzanne. Mooncakes are polarizing, and I'm not about to give them to people who, like, don't get it. Like, if you know, you know. Okay. <laughs> Except Suzanne's mom's mooncakes were amazing, and I would recommend. So maybe next year, Patrick. <laughs> This episode of Dish City was produced by me, Ruth Tam. And me, Patrick Fort. Our managing producer is Ponzi Rutch. Monikashvi is WAMU's chief content officer and oversees everything we make here. You can find recipes for Suzanne's family's food at her Vietnamese food blog, Boon Ba Bay. There's a link in our show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our show and catch up on all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Tell us what changes in DC's food scene you think we should cover. You can find us at dishcity at wamu.org. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at dishcity, where we've shared dreamy photos of Suzanne's family's mooncakes. Check them out. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with new episodes. See ya. Bye.